0: Hi everyone, I can't even tell you how excited I am to be in this room with the band, the um, lights on, the fan going, the sound. And I'm just thinking back to about 10, 12 days ago when we were a little worried there'd even be power in this room. And if you live in this area or were in this area, you know, 10, 12 days ago, you too were probably quite concerned about power. It was kind of consuming and concerning, I would say, wondering when it was going to come back, how many days will we be without it? And it got me thinking, and maybe it got us all thinking, how we feel powerless, um, restricted, uncomfortable, just lousy when we don't have the power that we rely on. So I think it's quite fitting that today we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, which is available to each one of us who puts our trust in Christ? So, as Leanne said a few minutes ago, we're coming back to the book of Acts. And just as a quick reminder, the overall theme, if you will, the story of the book of Acts is how the early church was empowered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit that was sent to be with the church and the people when Jesus left the earth. And um, I always go back to a verse I memorized a long time ago, which to me is the umbrella for this. And it is up on your screen now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So that's sort of a broad overview, and it brings us straight to Acts 6 and 7, which is the remarkable story of Stephen. And some have said that he, his life most closely mirrored that of Jesus. Now, I don't know if that's really true. There's a lot of contenders for that, I'm sure. But let's take a look at what his life was like. Stephen was a trusted leader and administrator. He was a servant of the people, a gifted teacher. He was a miracle worker. He was an evangelist. He was a wise debater and orator. And as maybe you think of this first, he was the first Christian martyr. Like Jesus, he died because of what he believed and proclaimed. But what I found most interesting when I was looking at the the scripture for today was every time we see Stephen's name in scripture, along with that, there's a a descriptor for him. And it seems to always come back to the fact that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're concentrating on today. And... Really, the truth of it is, the only reason Stephen was such an amazing, outstanding leader, evangelist, orator, miracle worker was because of that power of the Holy Spirit. So, we're going to take a look um, starting in Acts 6. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 3 if you're following along in your Bibles. But just as a little background here, At this point, the church was growing exponentially. More and more people were coming to faith. But that presented a problem because many of these people were then cast out of their homes and uh, really ostracized. So they needed the help of the church. And the original church leaders uh, had so much to do, they couldn't handle it. So that's where we pick up here where they decide they need help. Brothers and sisters choose 7 men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom this proposal pleased the whole group they chose stephen a man full of faith and of the holy spirit spirit also philip prochorus nicanor timon Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. So the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. So you'll notice I highlighted the the words that went around Stephen's name in that first section. And um, keep, keep watching for that as I keep reading. Now Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of a Jewish synagogue who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So this group stirred the people up. They brought false witnesses against him sounds very similar to Jesus' story. And they seized him and brought him to the Sanhedrin, which was a council of religious leaders. And as he's standing before the Sanhedrin, here we're jumping to Acts 6.15, all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel, so filled with the Spirit. Now, we're gonna fast forward through chapter seven, but I really do encourage you to read it if you haven't because it is Stephen's defense. Really not so much a defense as a summation of the history of the Jews and really um, pointing out to the Jews how they had misconstrued God's word and um, rejected the Messiah. But the amazing thing about this is, picture this, he's standing, perhaps even in chains, we don't know, before this council, he knows his life is at stake, and instead, excuse the fly, instead of defending himself, he is uh, proclaiming the word of God. Um, So we're not going to read that, but at the end, he says this, His strongest accusation is, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So, picking up in verses 54 of chapter (laughs) 7, okay, that's okay, I'm all good, we have those in my house too. Um, Picking up in verse 54 of chapter 7, we read, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious And gnashed their teeth at him. I'm I'm trying to picture that. But Stephen, again, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This was the last straw for them. In their anger, the men dragged him out of the city to stone him for his words. And when you think of Stephen, you often think of the picture of Stephen um, being stoned as the first martyr. So even at the very end, so like Jesus, he was able to have that response. And I believe it is only because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So... How does this apply for us? As crazy as it sounds, this supernatural power that was available to Stephen is also available to us um, for believers who have put their trust in Christ. Um, As the song we sang earlier goes, the same power lives in us, the same power that that we see in Stephen. Um, But without tapping in. To that, we really miss out on a lot. So here's our big idea for today. Finally, you were probably wondering when it was coming. Um, Through the Holy Spirit, the same supernatural power given to Stephen for ministry lives in us and is waiting to be deployed. Believe and act on this truth daily. So over and over in God's word, this is repeated. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, uh, I picked this one verse out of all of them. Surely you know, this is Paul speaking, that your body is a temple or sanctuary where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. So, you might be thinking, well, that's all well and good, but if that's true, why, why aren't I feeling it? Why doesn't my life reflect that all the time? And I'd like to, you know, give a couple illustrations or analogies that were helpful to me over, um, over the last lots of years of my life uh, in explaining some of that. And I'm going to use that, the verse that um, we were just looking at Um, how the Holy Spirit lives in us and he is a gift, okay? So first of all, I'd like you to think of the Holy Spirit as a gift that we are given when we put our faith in Christ. At that same time, we are handed a gift, But it's our choice. Do we decide to take that gift, to value it, to um, incorporate it in our lives? Or do I just put it right here and say, wow, what a nice gift. So taking that a little further, surprise, what's inside? Um, Inside, I put a pair of glasses because... Some of you who are my age may know when you get to be a little older, it's a lot harder to see. I really can't see anything up close, and I can't even see things in the back um, very well without my glasses now. So, if I'm given this amazing pair of glasses, I put them on, and, oh, my gosh, it's like a whole new world has opened up to me. I feel like I could do so much more. I'm taking the gift, I'm incorporating it in my life. However, I could choose not to. I could say, wow, thanks for that. Those look really nice, but I'm going to keep them right here. Or I could wear them the first day, but the next morning decide I'm not going to put them on again. So to me, that was helpful in that it's two parts. Um, Francis Chan said and I'm going to have to look it up and put my glasses on, um, because I don't have a slide for it, but in his book, "Forgotten God," which I would highly recommend, he talked about two parts of the equation. He talked about experience the Holy Spirit's experiencing the holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power takes both God's action and our response action or participation it's a two-part thing God's action and our response action so here's another um, illustration I found helpful um, because in that verse that we were looking at before it says the Holy Spirit lives in us he actually comes and resides in us so picture that scenario as a house guest coming to your home And maybe you want to picture, you know, your celebrity crush or your childhood hero decides he wants to stay with you, and you relegate him to the basement storage closet and say, I hope you like it here in my house, and you never invite him up to participate in your life, to encourage, et cetera, et cetera. I sometimes get that visual and realize that I have kept the Holy Spirit in a basement closet, which I don't know if anyone would want to stay down there in our house, but I need to choose to invite the house guest upstairs. So those are two examples that may or may not help. I think the key is that it's a daily, continual cooperation, that we need with the Holy Spirit. So practically speaking, what can we do to experience this truth, to realize the power in service and ministry? Um, So here are five suggestions. First off, believe it. Trust God's promises. If, as a Christian, you say that you believe the word is true and all of the seven to 9,000 promises in the word, then lean into that. Believe it. Excuse me. Remember that he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will help you. I will give you the words you need when it's time for you to speak. I will give you patience. I will... um, strengthen you and on and on and on we need to lean into that and really believe that it's true one of Paul's most adamant prayers this is to the church in Ephesus uh, is this I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead you Heard that line a few times so far this morning, this uh, whatever this is today. Uh, um, So look closely at those verses. Who is this incredible power directed towards? If you look carefully, it is for us who believe. It's not saved for an elite class of super Christian, you know, the people that go on tours speaking or write amazing books. It is for us who believe. And that's the only requisite. He said, only believe. So lean into that. Next, recognize your weakness without him. When we were without electrical power for several days, our limitations, our hindrances, our weaknesses were so apparent to us. And all we wanted was to be out of that situation. We knew we needed help. We knew it. But what happens with us as Christians, I think, and I know this happens with me, is I sometimes don't realize I have weaknesses. Um, I think we can say things like, well, I've been a teacher all my life. I can definitely lead a Bible study. I don't need his help. Or, um, wow, I raise money for a living. Why would I need help with that? Or I can talk to anyone. I don't need to ask the Holy Spirit to help me. We don't recognize our weakness, so he doesn't have a chance to jump in and help. Um, Remember that Paul himself had a weakness that he talked about in uh, several times. We don't know what it was, but he said in a letter to the Corinthian church, but the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then when I am weak, I am strong. I love this particular amplification of the words that I read recently. Um, So it's, it's a little bit long, but as you're looking at the screen, really think about these words. The gift of my supernatural power blooms in the places where you realize you are weak. My enablement rushes in to fill the gaps where you acknowledge you cannot do it in your own strength. When we put our trust in our own human abilities and efforts, we leave little room for God's gift of power to move in. I really liked that. All right, we'll move on to ask God daily to pour out his Holy Spirit in your life. And I believe, I strongly believe, God will answer that prayer because he has already said he will in his word when we ask for that um here's my suggestion um every morning make it the first thing you do as you're putting your feet on the ground to get out of bed just take even 10 seconds and pray that the holy spirit would be so evident in your life picture inviting your house guest up from the basement to join you in your day. Picture opening the gift and putting on the glasses. Think about it and ask God for help in that because it's not easy. We we know that. But when you ask God, he will answer. Okay, number four is clear the clutter. Make time and space for the Holy Spirit in your life. We can't be including and entertaining that house guest when our lives are already full of clutter, go, go, go schedules, mental distractions, hours of social media, accumulating stuff, and juggling a whole bunch of misplaced priorities. There's no room for anything else. We need to make room for the Holy Spirit. So I have a a favorite author and a favorite book, Um, and this is a shameless plug uh, if you have a little bit of extra time here at the end of COVID summer, but... um, John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, says we need to unclutter our lives to make time and space for what matters most. We need to slow down, simplify our lives, and ruthlessly eliminate the hurry. And yes, it's a shameless plug, um, but it's so true. Getting rid of that clutter is a very important step. Okay, and lastly, we need to take time, take the time and space to practice His presence. As we sang, I just love the um, last song we sang, Holy Spirit, to seek to be more aware of His presence. Um, And along with that, to open the eyes of our hearts. To him, There is a well-known theologian, A.W. Tozer, and he talked a lot about practicing God's presence throughout the day. He writes this, God is here. Wherever we are, God is here. There is no place, there can be no place that he is not. It remains for us to think on these truths and pray over them until they begin to glow within us. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will show himself to us and that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of his face. It's not easy, believe me. I know so many of us are are working on that, but I'm trying to do that more and more in my life. I actually... um, I will actually say, Lord, help me practice your presence on this walk with my friend. Help me practice your presence when tech issues are frustrating me to no end. Let me practice your presence in this phone call with um, my neighbors. And I find that when I do that, my spiritual eyes are opened and I I do feel his presence more and more, which only encourages me to do that more. So if you will remember that prayer that um, I shared in the beginning um, of, of Paul's to the church in Ephesus, the first part of that prayer is this. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. So when I was thinking of that, I, um, I thought of a young child and um, I, just, I just love that slide, I have to tell you. But... Um, Speaking of this ability to see and hear spiritual truth, David Holland reminds us of this. Listen carefully. I think this is a really good connection. Newborn babies' eyes contain all the power they will ever need, but they reveal very little to the baby's mind. That's because the infant's mind has not been trained. It doesn't know what to look for or how to interpret what it sees. In a similar way, the eyes of your heart may be equally untrained and immature, but those eyes exist all the same. All it takes is for us to consciously train our spiritual eyes and heart to experience or practice his presence in our lives more and more. So we need to value the incredible gift that we've been given and daily consciously invite the Holy Spirit, our house guest, upstairs to be a part of our lives. And then we will experience that supernatural power that Stephen had for service and ministry. So again, as it often does in our messages here at Crossroads, this brings us back to our church values. As we look up... Deepening our relationship with God, we will be able to lean in with love and support and encouragement for our church community and reach out to Fairfield County and beyond in ways that we never, ever thought possible. So as we wrap up, instead of me praying i'd like you to pray along with the song that the band is going to lead us in it's an old one that you may remember open the eyes of my heart lord i want to see you because that needs to be our prayer to open our eyes so that we can practice the present and and see the power of the holy spirit and know that he's working in our lives for the good of everyone. So as you listen to the band, pray along these words. Thank you.